Paul to stand up here and give a good preach because that's another thing when someone gets up here and they speak from a place of living it. And um, Fida was just, it was, it was amazing. I love that one quote you shared, Rick Joyner. Our purpose in life is to see him, to know him, to become like him, and to reveal, to reveal him. So good. So if you guys weren't here, didn't listen, um, or with the kids, is it on the podcast? Is it recorded? Get it. So good. And the, the other quote I have here from you, Fee, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. From Augustine. Um, so yeah, this morning I just want to speak a little bit on the word become flesh. And I really feel like in this season what God's inviting us into, and it's, you know, it's such a joy to hear Isha's story, is like for our words, to be, for our words what we say to start becoming flesh. What Cal said, to live from a source of an inner life and um, a Christ-centered life. Um, and I really believe that the journey that God is inviting us into is that, like what Caleb said, an inner transformation of, of the heart that leads us to living lives that will find us being, being flesh in those places, being the word become flesh. And I was thinking, like, imagine everything that we say or we sing or we declare on a Sunday, imagine what it would look like if we actually lived that out. everything you actually declared on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, if that actually became the substance of, we li- of what we lived out in our life, we would change the world. We really would. And uh, just uh, some of the invitations that I felt from God leading me into personally this year, I just wanted to share them. Um, that I wrote down and one of them came from what Cole said the first Sunday. Start and end your day with the name Jesus. Sounds simple, but it's actually profound. Um, cultivate the garden of your heart. Let love overwhelm you. Moving from fear to faith. We don't need to worry about trying to change this year, but just stay close to Him and you'll become more like Him. And, um, you know, there's something about... Like when the kingdom of God comes into the, to our culture, it like contends with us, contends with the culture. And um, I love what Cole said about love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. And there's something about us like exerting our strength to actually like form that inner life of Christ within us. And like Paul said, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. So there's something about like us taking hold of something and then like Paul says, realizing actually it's God who took hold of us. It's like we want to take hold of, of life in the kingdom, but we realize it actually starts with God taking hold of us. Um, we like give ourselves to like give our strength to God and realize actually it's His power and it's His energy working within us. I love that. So I just want to read a little bit from John chapter 1. Um, you've got your Bibles, phones, John 1. Um, 1 to 5 In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God He was in the beginning with God All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made In Him was life and that life was the light of men The light shines in the darkness 
and the darkness is not overcome. Such a powerful passage. And I love that it just starts, it starts like John's telling the creation story again, like in the beginning. And I love, you know, like we often start with the thought and idea that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, which he did. But I love that John starts and he like repaints the picture. And he says, in the beginning was the word. It's like, in the, like we think God started by doing, but he actually always was being. In the beginning was the word. And um, many of us, like we live our lives, our starting place is doing. You know, I've got to like, who am I? It's like, not who, who are you, it's like, what do you do? That's the question that we always ask. But um, the substance of who God is was in the beginning, He was, was His being. As 1 John 1 puts it, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched, concerning the word of life, that life was made manifest and we have seen it, we testify to it. We proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And I love like how John says that which was from the beginning. And um, you know, I was just thinking about it. There's no narrative or perspective in our lives that actually doesn't start with him. You know, he's the one from the very beginning. And there's something about like when you encounter God, he becomes your beginning and he redefines your story. It's like you look back over your life and you're like, I can see like the start of my life, but there's a point where God breaks in. And like he redefines and he resets the calibration of your life. He becomes like the new beginning of who you are. Does that make sense? He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And I feel like there's something of God inviting us to live from a place of being in him and finding our beginning. And I love how C.S. Lewis writes it in the Chronicles of Narnia when they've killed Aslan, if you know the story. And everyone's like, what's going to happen now? It's all come to an end. And he says, it means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little bit further back into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read a different incantation. It's like there's a beginning before the definition of your, the beginning of your story. Like you began in the thought and the mind of God. Where you start is not your, your life, your birth into this world is not your starting point. Your thoughts, being a thought in the mind of God is your starting point. Like it says, your thoughts concerning me are not in the sand of the seas. That's what David says in Psalm 139. Before you formed me, you knew me. How did he know you before he formed you? Because he knew you in his mind as a thought. You were, there was a beginning to your life that goes way back and before your parents conceived you. I love what Proverbs 8, 23, Solomon's writing about wisdom. And with Solomon, wisdom is an analogy for Christ or for God. And he says in Proverbs 8, 23, talking about wisdom. I was formed long ago at the very beginning. When the world came to be. And you know, as people of the kingdom, there's a wisdom that we have that actually goes back deeper than our story. You know, the narrative that we live in, we actually offer, as kingdom people, we offer an ancient perspective. We can offer the world an ancient narrative that goes way beyond the start of our culture, the start of our norms. 
And there's a wisdom in Christ that we have access to that was actually before the foundation of the world. I feel like just this whole concept of the Word become flesh and living as we truly are, it's actually like finding the beginning of who you are in the mind of God. Knowing that He formed you and He knew you before He formed you. It says, um, John says, um, to proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father. You know, eternal life is not just life that goes on and on and on and on and on. Eternal life is the life of God. Life came from God and we get to know Him. That's why John says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. There's an there's a invitation for us to live like with an eternal mindset in a, in a fallen world. So he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I just love that he says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning he was. In the beginning, like his essence, that's why God says, I am that I am. Like his actual essence is being. His essence is being, and we are made in his, in his image. And there's something he invites us to, to know that our essence is being before doing. I know it's hard, guys. It's like preaching in a sauna. He was in the beginning before he did. And the life of the kingdom is always to find yourself being in him before doing. In the beginning was the word. And that word, word, the word, word, means in the beginning was the divine expression. Or it means speaking to conclusion. Or the divine logic. Someone says, he is the ultimate conclusion and the full expression of the Godhead. We find our end and our ultimate conclusion in him. So like he is the beginning and he is the end. He's the beginning and the end. Like when you find yourself in Christ, you find your beginning and you find your ultimate end. All in one. You find your start and you find your end. Like he is actually the ultimate conclusion to all our questions and all our dilemmas. In the midst of the tension of our lives, he brings conclusion that transcends pain and suffering and confusion. He is the ultimate logic. That word uh, logos, in the beginning the logos means the pattern. So he was the pattern of life in the very beginning before life began. He was the blueprint of life. Like in the beginning was the blueprint. That's almost what John is saying. Like he existed as the blueprint. And then from that, he made all things. He made you and created, created you. It says, um, it says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So like everything was made through this blueprint. Like... In the beginning he created, but he was with God. And from that place he spoke, let there be light. And the light that was within him became the light that was without him. The light that was was already in him became the light that was outside of him. It says, in him, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. So life resided within him, within the pattern of Jesus. And as he spoke, it became life. As he spoke, it became light. He is the ultimate logic. You know, he, we thought we knew what God was like until we met Jesus. 
And that's why Colossians 1 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He was in the beginning with God. All life and creation and light stems from the divine community of the Trinity. And I just love that. You know, Father, Son, and Spirit just coexisting in this beautiful relationship. Uh, the Passion Translation says, They were together face to face in the very beginning. Face to face. Before anything was made face to face, God, Father, Son, and Spirit dwelling. And I wonder how, how many eons there were just face to face, just enjoying community. Like, they were eternal life. There was no time. Life was just uh, being together. Verse 18 of the same chapter says, No one has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son who is in the bosom of the Father he has declared him. He has interpreted him. He has made him known. The only son who is in the bosom of the Father. There's this invitation for us to live this face-to-face life. It's like Jesus was face-to-face with God and he reflected the brilliance of his face. Jesus was in the bosom of the Father and knew the heartbeat of who God was. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And I love, I just want to read that verse from 1 John 1 again. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, we have touched, concerning the word of life. It says, The life was made manifest. And then he says something interesting. He says, We have seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim it. Which is quite interesting because he says, You see Jesus, then you testify to it, which means you, live, you have a testimony, you've got an experience, you've got something lived out. And then you proclaim it. Why is that interesting? Because we want to say things first. And then we want to live them out. And John's actually saying, no, you first you see Him. And when you see Him, that translates into something happening in your life. And then you have a testimony. And once you've seen Him, it affects your life. You live it out. And once you've lived it out, then you proclaim it. And what does the church do? First we proclaim it. Then we try to live it out. And then we try and count it. So we've seen it, we've testified to it, then we proclaim it. There's something about that face-to-face encounter which allows us to live it out, and then we can then we can tell about what we've lived out. Because for too long we talk it, and then we try and live it out. And actually, God's saying you actually don't need any more words. The church actually doesn't need to say any more words. It actually needs to see Him. To testify to him, and then, can, then, then the world can proclaim that it's all There's no substitute for face to face. Like Jenna was in, oh, Jenna was in China for four months. Like there's no substitute for face to face. We could call, we could Skype, we could FaceTime, we could WhatsApp video, but being with her, there's nothing like this. That's why I love how John says, that which was from the beginning, we heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, we've touched with our hands. Like, until you've actually encountered the fullness of who he is, you, like, you can't live it out. And, I, and that's why I think it's so beautiful that in the beginning, he was face to face. There was this, like, there was this beautiful relational, relational Trinitarian dance, as some theologians call it. And, and I'm just, 
I just like to imagine that they were there and they were just dreaming of the world and they were like, wow, in my thoughts, I've got this idea this, of Isha and he's going to be born in this place called Zimbabwe and he's going to go and he's going to travel and he's going to become a resource and he's going to become a source of life to these women and these downtrodden people. And then the spirit's going, wow, and then the father's going, yes, and there's this, you know, this dance. And then in the beginning, they created the heavens and the earth and the life and the light. I love that he says not anything was made that was made there's no source of invention there's no source of creativity inspiration that actually doesn't stem from who God is because all things were made through him not anything that was made was made without him he's the vine we the branches our source is him what is the invitation abide in me unless you abide in me John 15 you cannot bear fruit Life, the source, is Him in the beginning. And then He goes on to say, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. He's the source of our life. Uh, verse 9 says, He is the true light which enlightens everyone. And He was coming into the world. You know that you, you cannot see color without light. And I love that it says he's the true light which enlightens everyone. When you encounter God, it's like he switches on the lights in the life. You were in darkness, he's transferred you into his wonderful light. There's a there's a illumination that happens with God. And I think so so often we live our lives so reliant on our abilities to achieve things that we forget that he's actually the illumination that we can bring into a situation. His life is the light of men. The life of God within you is the light that you carry. He continues in that chapter and he says, um, uh, The true light which enlightened everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He was, um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not overcome. There's a, there's a source of light and light in Christ where you cannot be overpowered because you carry an eternal substance of the life of God, the source of life. Psalm 36 verse 9, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. And there's something about that, just that source coming from the fountain of life. Um, Proverbs 4.23 Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. There's a wellspring of life within us, the fountain of life of Christ within us. And there's something about guarding the affection of your heart that allows that life, that life flow to continue to bubble up. Jeremiah 2.3 says, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And this is something about when we allow ourselves to go our hearts, we have access to the flow, the life flow of the Spirit, the life flow of Christ, and that life is the light of men. And even in our brokenness, He allows the streams of living to flow from within us. And then I'll just end with... He continues and he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. Glory is 
of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I just love that He became flesh. The Amplified says, The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, fixed His tent of flesh and lived a while among us. It's like He came. Not anything that was made was made without Him. Yet He became flesh. It's like, can you get your head around that? The one who was from the beginning. He didn't ever become because He always was. His essence was always being, yet He became flesh. It's like God literally humbled Himself to become a human. The one who was from the beginning, who predated time, who was always existing, became flesh. He was the blueprint. Everything that was made was made through Him and from Him and for Him. Yet He humbled Himself and became flesh like us. It's like a radical mystery. And we've just done it down like Jesus came. Manger, cool, angels, donkeys, gold, frankincense, and milk. And the beauty of it is that he sub- the word become flesh, he subjected himself to our frailty and our humanity. He came into our mess and our confusion and our dirt and our doubt, willing to take on the frailty of humanity and empty himself of the glory of his, of his immortality. And it says, yet we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten son, full of grace and truth. There's something about Jesus becoming flesh and living among us and showing us that there's a new element to the glory of God, that He can still come into our mess, He can still come into our shame, He can still enter your pain, He can still enter your confusion and still reveal the glory of God. And that's what it looks like us. He's moving us to being full of words, to being those who become flesh. He's inviting us into the mess, into the dirt, into the darkness around us, to take the light into the darkness. And what does it say? He revealed His glory, full of grace and truth. And I'll end with this. But there's something about the fullness of Jesus that's captured in grace, the fullness of grace and truth. Because grace, there's no judgment, full acceptance, beloved. But truth, it's like you don't compromise on, on who you are and the, and the reality Truth calls us to a higher standard that only grace can sustain us to live in. And there's a beauty of God inviting us to be people who are full of grace and full of truth. We accept people, we don't judge them, but we call out the truth of who they are. And we say, we don't compromise on the truth of Scripture. We don't compromise on who God is by being full of grace, by accepting anyone who walks in the door. But we say we live at a high standard of truth. We want to call the truth out and call you to live to the full potential and the full beauty of who God's created you to be. And there's something of, like, in the world, it's like there's just such a contention in the world at the moment. It's like, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you, dis- if you don't agree with me, you disagree with me. And it's like if God is calling the kingdom of God to enter into these realms of contention and say, no, there's grace. There's grace for you. There's no judgment. But there's also truth. We're calling you to a higher standard. We don't shame you. We don't call, call you out as a sinner. There's grace, but we know that you're a saint and you're called to live higher because there's something in you that carries the life and the light of God. So being people who are word become flesh, it's going into situations and bringing a fullness of grace and truth. And for some of us, the areas in our life where we need to just yield to the grace of God and to be like, actually, I, I can't manage this anymore. I can't do it in my own strength. Grace, I need the grace and the favor and the love and the 
unending kindness of God to break into this area and to set me free and to allow me to live from being to do. And for others of, others of us or other areas in our life, we need to embrace truth. We need to allow Him to switch the light on in the dark areas. We need to allow His kingdom to confront certain areas in our life where we know God's called us to something higher and we're just living with the norm. It's like truth, as I said, truth calls you to a standard, but grace can only, you can only live at that standard when you're empowered by grace. People being full of grace and truth. The word become flesh. I love it. It's like he wants to enter those areas of our flesh in our lives and just say, hey, there's grace for you. There's grace for you. There's grace for you. There's grace for you. Now the truth is this is who you are. Live it out. He came to pitch his tent among us to reside within us. And it's like the invitation for us is to be people who don't just live as a people of visitation. We come on a Sunday. We come for our next visitation. But we become people who reside with those among us and we are the truth and we are the grace in their lives and it ends that chapter says verse 16 and from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and there's a fullness of Christ where there's grace upon grace and when you get to that point you're just like there's, there's a fullness of him he is the invisible God he's the image of the invisible God there's a fullness of God that invites us to know him to be found in him and I, I was just thinking about it it's like when you live a Christ-centered oriented life it's like the, the center of who you are becomes totally overwhelmed of the fullness of Christ and as, he, as that inner life grows, it's like it begins to displace everything within you. And the kingdom of God grows and it grows. As Isaiah said, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So as, as you abide in him and allow that Christ-centered life to grow, it's like the fullness of Christ grows and it displaces and it displaces and it displaces with grace and truth. And it's like we sometimes want to go into, into situations and we want to try and fix them or we want to try and tell people what to do. And maybe sometimes we just need to go in with grace and truth and allow that fullness of Christ to begin to displace everything that's not with Him from, from within Him. It's like turn on the light and allow the light to grow. Just be, allow the fullness of the life of Christ to dwell within you. And He ends saying, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. And it's amazing that the one who was from the beginning, who was face to face with God, who was in the bosom of God, like the reality of Jesus, He was the one who made Him known. He was, Jesus came and showed the world what God looked like. And as, as the Word becomes flesh in our own lives, we can reveal the goodness and the kindness and the truth and the grace of, of God in other people's lives. And I think sometimes we've switched it around. We want to go out and tell people who God is and this is what you need to live like. But actually, if we live it out first, we see Him, we testify to Him, and we proclaim Him. So, I, yeah, I just feel like there's a, a beauty that God is inviting in us into to embrace the grace and truth of who Jesus is. 
So Father, I thank you that you've invited us into this life. To know you in your fullness. To see you in the reality of your grace and truth. And I thank you that this morning, I just feel like for some of us, he's saying it's a new beginning. Not because, not because we maybe need to have like a, a new encounter with him. But it's Jesus inviting us into knowing him and him, him redefining our starting point. He is the beginning. He is the source. He is the reality of your life. So Holy Spirit, I invite you now just to recalibrate our minds and our hearts. Thank you that you are the eternally good, kind and merciful Father. Thank you that you're recalibrating our hearts to know that our life begins and finds its conclusion in who you are. And Lord, I thank you for your grace upon grace. I feel like there's just a fresh invitation of grace. It's like God wants to, He wants to move us to a place of encountering His grace again. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to just pour out your goodness and your kindness and your grace. for the grace and truth. No, Dave could have preached this message without his laptop or his Bible because he lives it. It's in him. So, I mean, this is like basically the same message with new scriptures every time. It's profound. And uh, as you read that first John 1, I thought I would love to lead us in a prayer with us to close because um, this is an invitation for each one of us to hear from God what is it that I'm able to preach right now? So I just said what I said about Dave. Because this is like... It's a defining message that he carries. It's this God incarnate. And we always speak this amongst us and it's powerful. So let's stand together. Um, as Dave said, First John chapter 1 says there, the life was made manifest. And then he says, and we have seen it. So let's just pray, Father, I want to see it. Holy Spirit, I want to see it very life of Jesus you just pray this with me I want to see it Father where we don't know how to do that just yet we want to see what this mystery of you becoming flesh is amongst us I got whacked with it as Dave read I just thank you Holy Spirit as Dave said for the essence of your life that is 
in us, amongst us, within. We can't be separate. Just thank you, God. Reveal this mystery to us. Reveal this mystery to us, God. Just again, just say, we want to see it. God, we want to see it in a deep inner place for each one of us this week. That if I stop one of you on the road and say, what have you seen? You'd answer. I've seen something. I've discovered something of God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're just doing that amongst us right now. Then he goes on and he says, and we testify to it. So Father, teach us. Teach us how to begin to speak of what we've seen. That what we speak of help us to see more and what we see help us to speak more. I I sense in the Spirit a real drawing for each one of us today to a shift in the way we testify of the goodness of God in our lives. There's a public face coming to each one of us to the goodness of God. It's no longer going to be okay to be around us and just see blessing without hearing about it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in us and just opening, loosening our tongues. Not from a strange, ought weird worked up place but from a place of revelation of having seen you God we speak of what we've seen with confidence we testify to it and we proclaim to you eternal life which was with the Father and he's made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed fellowship with our Father and his Son Jesus so let, us, let that be what's on our, on our lips, Father. And I just wanted to clear over each one of us that this week there's a shift coming for the thing that you are able to proclaim. The goodness of God is going to be revealed. So make yourself available to Him this week. Make yourself available to, to Him. Make time to begin to discover and to see into the depth of the mystery of your true life in Christ. So thank you, Dave. Profound. It's good. Amen. Amen. Amen.